This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to another episode of the Brown and Black Podcast. My name is Jack Rico. And I'm Mike Sargent. And every week we take a look at race and pop culture through a brown and black lens. Mike, I'm waking up this morning and this is the front page as of this recording of the New York Times in the technology section. Confusion and frustration reign as Elon Musk cuts half of Twitter's staff. Which ends up being 3,700 people that today are unemployed. The layoffs hit across many divisions, including the engineering and machine learning units, the teams that manage content moderation, and that is probably the most crucial of all the things, and the sales and advertising departments. How much have you been hearing about this, Mike? Because I have to be honest with you, brother. I can't get on anything. Instagram, TikTok, just regular news. Everyone's talking about Twitter. Are you experiencing the same thing or not? I am, but I put things in context. Social media has dominated all our lives for at least the last four or five years. And when I say dominated, meaning traditional news sources go to social media on the news. They show quotes from Twitter. Okay. We all know what happened with Trump and all of that. So social media is the dominant force in our lives. It has helped organize for activism. It is inspire great things and awful things. Social media is part of human society now. It's like breathing and air and food. It is part of the fabric of society. And in this episode, we're going to focus on how this Twitter debacle that's happening in our country is affecting people of color brown and black folks. What is the connection here? We'll get to that in just a second. But Mike, let's really talk about something that is crucial to our community, our society. It's the midterms are coming up. For you, we've seen the documentaries. We've read the books. We've spoken to the bigwigs. We know what's going on with technology and the polarization of ideas in this country. Ever since social media was created in this country, the polarization went to 10, screw it, to 20. And now I'm just wondering what free speech means for Twitter and social media come the midterms for brown and black folk. Well, also, here's the question. What is the cost of free speech? Hmm. What do you mean? The business model that, that we're used to, and this is how most things are introduced to society, it's free until you become dependent on it, and then they can start charging you for it. 
you know, whether it's okay. <laughs> that's you have that's free speech every, until it's no longer free. Exactly, it's an oxymoron. Until it's no, everything that's introduced into society starts out either free or really cheap. You remember when ATMs didn't cost anything? It was just free, and they were trying to get you to start using them. Stop going to the teller. Just go use the ATM. Use the ATM until you created and developed the habit. Exactly. And once you're addicted to it, then they start charging you. So what he's betting on here by charging now for the verification and then eventually, like everything else, he's going to charge. It'll start cheap right now, $8 a month for a blue check. So he's not planning on building revenue through ad sales. He's planning on having subscriber and verification and levels of Twitter, I'm assuming. So again, how can we be excluded and what will it mean besides freedom of hate speech? There's a cost. There's a cost for the freedom of speech. That's what I'm saying. It is, and it's eight bucks. <laughs> <laughs> Now, I got to ask you, is Kanye going to buy Parler? Is that what's going to happen next? Are we going to have the most polarizing people in charge of this part of our media? There is talk that Donald Trump's going to come back and announce it on Twitter. There's talk that Kanye also will be let back in, but there is talk that he's also trying to buy Parler. I mean, this dude is looking for someone to listen to him at the moment because he's unraveled to a point that he's been canceled. Kanye West has been canceled. And so much like Trump, dude, if you don't have a megaphone to talk all your BS about, then you are BS, full BS, period. And I think that these celebrities are starting to feel that. And like Kyrie Irving from the Nets, who had to apologize because he posted this anti-Semitic film about black Israelites and how white Jews took the power that the black Jews had and he started tweeting it. It was a Twitter debacle. This whole thing with he's been suspended. He can't play in the NBA anymore. He belongs to the Brooklyn Nets. Brooklyn is so Jewish. I think that the, the commissioner of the NBA is Jewish. So I don't want to get into that whole thing, but this is Twitter. Twitter is bad and Twitter is good because for all the amounts of bad stuff that is happening on Twitter, and I think this is a struggle that a lot of people who are on Twitter are going through is that you just lost someone very special and you start getting tweets. My condolences, we're here for you. If you wanna talk, this has happened before. Hear my thoughts on that. Loving words, Mike. When everybody comes together in a positive way on social media, you then start understanding the potential of real true change and true unity. Twitter, like any aspect of society, has been weaponized against people of color. We all know what happened with the Asian actress from Star Wars. We know what happened with John Boyega on Twitter. We also know that Twitter, like the rest of society, has segments. There's Black Twitter. There's the right wing of Twitter. There's was a large MAGA Twitter. There was a large QAnon 
on Twitter. So there are segments of any social media platform. And the question is, who's going to benefit the most or who will continue to benefit from Twitter? And then who's going to really be at risk? Because that same person, and we could just use Nancy Pelosi's husband as an example, okay? Here is a man gets attacked in his house and not only they spinning it, to say ridiculous conspiracy theories, but they're also, let's just say, insensitive and making jokes about it. Now, if Nancy Pelosi had a black or Latino husband, can you imagine? The stakes of free speech are very different for a person of color who is at risk when, quote unquote, free speech is now not moderated for, for hate. Twitter is really a writer's platform. If you're a writer and you can condense humor, substance within 140 to 280 characters, you're, you're a good writer. And a lot of these writers have become celebrities. So they depend. Twitter is essentially a Substack newsletter for these guys. They wake up in the morning. Hey, everybody, here's a thought I have. Here's some wisdom I picked up. And it's like because of the followership and the consistency, it's become a full-time job for them. So when Twitter leaves, if it leaves and everybody just says, you know, we don't want to be a part of this and you no longer have that megaphone or that engagement and you happen to be brown or black, you're fucked. There's your status. There's your cachet. There's everything you've earned. There's the megaphone that other editors from magazines, digital websites, content streaming companies, social media companies, influencers that want to have you now don't have that. So where are you going to go? Everybody's been talking about this new social media app called Mastodon, which is a weird name for a social media company. And supposedly that they're trying to pick up the slack from Twitter. I just don't know if it works well. But journalists of color need sometimes to have a platform where they can write, put out their articles, make money through that, and then the verification aspect of it, which is the credibility of that brown and black person. Listen, we're not being hired by any white media companies, man, and let's just be damn honest about it. They don't like us. They don't like our perspectives. They don't like our visions. They don't want to hear us. So we got to create our own forms of communication. And this is it. It's Twitter. It's podcasting. So when you just give that verification, that status, that you're a credible, independent, freelance journalist, when they had to fight so hard to get that blue check, Mike, that's credibility. This whole society, everybody judges you. Everybody is biased, prejudiced, racist, everything about you. That is your immediate thing. It's like, this guy's going to Judas me any minute now. So credibility means something in a society full of misinformation and disinformation. When you're so overwhelmed, when there's oceans of disinformation, credibility fucking matters. And for me to be able to get that, I had to submit governmental papers. I had to submit three links for this and three links for that. Not everybody has that. And I had it and I got it. Now, if you just pay eight bucks for Twitter blue, any idiot can get it. There's no more criteria. So what does that mean for a black journalist, for a Latino journalist that doesn't have the New York Times backing them up, that doesn't have Box or The Atlantic, you know, backing them up? And it's just us independently. You remove that shit and anybody could take your name. 
anybody could be verified. Anybody could go anywhere on your behalf because there's all these bots, right? But they see the verification. That's what lets publicists, that's what lets studios know, that's what lets people know that you're not full of crap, that you're not some sort of scammer or salesman, that you're legit, that I can trust you and pay you money for you to be a professional and deliver what you need. And we need that. When we don't have that, then the noise is overwhelming and people can't discern who, what, or what. I'm going to let my verification go. I'm just saying it right now. Status is earned. Status is not bought. I've earned my status. And if you just want to give that away, I am not paying for that. I will not pay for that out of principle. Keep it, take it, screw it. I'll find another way for people to know that I'm verifiable. Screw it. Mike, I know you're on Twitter, but you don't really engage that much in Twitter. So my question is, why do you have Twitter? And do you really give two hoots about this Twitter debacle? That's a very good question, Jack, because do I give two hoots? Let's say yes and no. The the no part is that, no, I don't really engage that much on Twitter. I have Twitter. Yes. Do I have over a thousand followers? Yeah. But I don't tweet a lot. I repost things that you tweet. I repost the brown and black tweets. So I don't do a lot on Twitter. I don't do a lot on social media in general. Not a lot. I'm aware of its impact. Let's put it like that. Here's the biggest danger I see, especially that he's doing this right before the election. So one of the biggest problems I think with Twitter is the amount of misinformation that can be flooded now without any content moderation. And how can Twitter change the course of this country? That's what concerns me. So let me get this straight. That's the thing that concerns you as a black man, but not the proliferation and the prevalence that we now see of the N-word all over Twitter. That didn't piss you off? Well, here's the thing. Did it piss me off? Let's put it this way. It doesn't piss me off any more than seeing the KKK or whatever they call themselves today, the proud idiots, whatever the white supremacist groups call themselves, the fact that they're marching, the fact that they're at ballot boxes with guns, intimidating voters and taking video, that shit pisses me off. That on the ground shit pisses me off. What a bunch of fucking trolls do online and cowards can just say the N word because they're free to say it. That's annoying. It doesn't piss me off like on the ground shit. This, this reminds me, Trevor Noah recently spoke about this and I want you to hear what his plan was about Twitter, white people, and the N word. If you ask me, if Elon Musk wants to make money from Twitter, what he should do, don't charge people for blue check marks. No, you know, charge white people to say the N-word. Twitter will be the most profitable company in history. Racists are gonna be taking out loans. I need a bit of extra cash. My neighbors are so goddamn loud, I could use this. 
Yes, I fucking love it. I love, I love, <laughs> I love that sentiment. Listen, I love it. I love it. it it's and, true and because yes. the N-word usage has jumped 500%, yeah, 500% since Elon Musk bought Twitter. Listen, from where I'm sitting, that's a bunch of pussy motherfuckers who could who would never say that shit in the face of a black man. Right. And that's that the hypocrisy that you have to hide behind a digital avatar yeah. because you're so such does that a piss coward. Me off? No. That doesn't piss me off. What pisses me off is that same fucking coward will come out with a, a sub machine gun and stand in front of a ballot box. That pisses me off. That stay at home and write off. the yeah, stay at home and write the N-word all you want, you stupid pussy motherfucker. But if you're gonna go out there and start intimidating people, men, women, children, no. Now I'm pissed. Now I want to go out there and kick your ass. So LeBron James from the LA Lakers, probably the face of the NBA for the last 10, 15 years. Here's what he said about that whole discussion on what moderation and the problems of not having enough moderation is going to do to Twitter and people of color. I don't know Elon Musk. And to be honest, I could care less who owns Twitter. But I will say that if this is true about the increase of the N-word and the allowability, I guess, of being able to say it with such casualness, then this is really serious and it's scary as fuck. So many damn unfit people saying hate speech is free speech. That's not good. So when you have LeBron James, when you have Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez fighting with Elon about this, a Latino Puerto Rican and a black man, brown and black folk, we got problems, man. We got problems walking into this because what if Twitter becomes a white supremacist social network? What if Twitter becomes what... Parlor was supposed to be, or what is it? Trump's social truth, or something like that. What if Twitter becomes that? Will that continue to affect brown and black folk in any way or not? Dude, you say what if? I don't say what if. I say when. Okay, I have no doubt that's what's going to happen. Now, let's put it this way I think every dog has its day. Twitter's day is done. Okay, just like Facebook's day is done. Is it a significant force? Do lots of people still stay on Facebook? But who really, who's really quoting from Facebook? Nobody's quoting from anybody's Facebook. Okay, what'll happen is that you've seen all the brown and black folks have all left in droves. Every major celebrities, brown and black, have left Twitter. And those who haven't are already threatening to. So in my opinion, it's a, it's a natural attrition. I don't know about Mastodon. I don't know why I would name a social network after an extinct creature. I don't know. <laughs> but <laughs> sort of, <laughs> you know, you're already setting Oh my God. Up. I could, I could already <laughs> see the teaser trailer for Mastodon. It begins exactly. at the beginning of the Genesis of Dawn. Exactly. At the beginning of Dawn. Man, tr man traveled with the Mastodons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe that's what they think it's like this giant creature i don't know but to me i just feel it's time is done and i think everything eventually becomes something else i've watched what's happened with linkedin 
and LinkedIn was a place like for networking. And all of a sudden, you know, people start putting like their personal stuff on there. They hey, start I'm here in the kitchen, like you know, cooking other. my dish. Yeah, exactly. Today. Exactly. They treat it like every other social media. So to a certain extent, then you see the real movers and shakers have stopped doing much on Twitter. They put their professional stuff out there, but that's about it. That's about it. Because again, e even um, Clubhouse. Oh my Clubhouse. God, that's Clubhouse the best case was study. Yeah. That's the best case study. And that that just was accelerated. It was hot for a minute. Now, I can, oh, that's right. I still have Clubhouse on my phone. It's like you forget because you, you haven't <laughs> looked at Clubhouse. <laughs> you haven't looked at freaking Clubhouse for so long. And when Clubhouse hit, everybody had their own version of Clubhouse. And I was then, so on it, man. I love Clubhouse. And then they didn't. But you know what? Everything is out of touch until it isn't. Like Musk says he's going to bring back Vine. Mm, I didn't hear that part. I loved Vine. Well, I loved it Vine. It was very creative. And I think that the talent on Vine was the best. Dude, Vine was the precursor to TikTok. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. That was the precursor. That's the that that was the tone yep. that TikTok ended up copying. But it was all Vine, man. I loved Vine. I just wasn't a part just because I wasn't creating that type of well, video. I think he's got to do what. And maybe he'll bring Jack back. Will Musk Jack bring Dorsey? Jack back? Yeah. No, 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 no. Will Elon Musk bring Jack Rico back? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> back to Vine. My last thought on this is I think Musk is going to have a hard time making money with Twitter. He says he was bleeding like $4 million a day, so he had to cut back on staff. All right, that's a short-term solution. But as all the major people start leaving the platform, he still has a lot of influence. And right now, as a corporate individual, vote-wise, he can sway things towards, uh, oh, let's just goodness. say, those who have corporate interests in mind. I heard that the government was planning on ousting Elon Musk because Saudi money is a part of the Twitter purchase price. And now they got China with TikTok in the United States and the Saudis on Twitter. So the government might actually do something very shocking here, which is what Trump was alluding to before with TikTok, which is either to ban it or to somehow outright buy it. So it'll be very interesting to see what the government thinks about this and how it could affect national security, quote unquote, to make sure that type of free speech or hate speech, free hate speech, doesn't really filter to every single individual because of this. Next week, Mike, Wakanda Forever comes out. I understand you're already going to be there to see it, right? By the time this is airing, I will be. I'm not, so I'm going to be depending on you to tell me what we think about this Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Is it going to break records? Is it going to be the best film of all time? The best, what will happen with what will be the impact and will it be any good? Because I feel like Marvel is slightly losing its touch. So let's see. A colleague of ours interviewed me about what was the impact and the importance of Black Panther and why was it so important? And I think there are three big things about Black Panther and what it did. One, it showed that a story with a black hero that is not only black, but a hero that embraced their culture, their blackness could succeed. 
Two, it showed that not only would it succeed, but people all over the world would want to see it. So that means black stories, stories about people of color. Yeah, people would still pay money to see that. And then three, it showed that, guess what? White kids loved it too. <laughs> yeah, just like they like hip-hop. They like <laughs> exactly, black culture, dude. Exactly. And when it's cool, so it's the epitome of cool. I can't wait to listen to your review next week because, man, I'm just excited. I'm just excited. Just look at the trailer, dude. I'm like all, all in there. All right, guys. So that's it for this episode of Brown and Black. If you would like to support this podcast, please subscribe and leave a review. Your help will allow us to be heard by many more people. This episode was edited by Joshua Torado. You can follow our comments and opinions on at Brown Black Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and now on YouTube. We'll see you on the next episode of Brown and Black. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.